morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and we will be in verses 8 through 20 this morning. And I hope you felt the theme this morning from all is well to it is well, that maybe you've entered this place today, and you would not be able to confidently say, it is well with my soul. As we look to this third lighting of the Advent wreath, and as we look to what we all long for and peace in our hearts and minds and souls, we've sung it is well with my soul, we've heard all is well. And so the question is for each of us as we continue through this time, is it well with your soul? Do you have peace that surpasses all understanding? Do you understand the Prince of Peace as he invaded your heart and soul this Christmas season? So as we do that, as we walk through this time together, let's look to the shepherds to lead us towards Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you have your pew Bible, it's page 725. And let's stand together as we read God's word together. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you could follow along in your copy of God's word, let me read this for us together. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great, no- great news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace among those whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which God has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it were were wondering at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. Or we stop and say thank you. As always, thank you for your word, which teaches and instructs and helps and points us towards you. In these next very few moments, Would our hearts be taken by this familiar story in a way that doesn't fill us with information but leads us to change as we walk out the back doors of this sanctuary into our practical everyday life? Lord, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. If you see the outline that's in front of you, I'm going to give you maybe uh, a sermon before the sermon, if you don't mind. I love the story of the shepherds. If not every year at some point, I'm going to work the shepherds into a sermon because the shepherds to me exemplify so much of the beauty of the gospel story that we sing and celebrate and come together as a church. What you know as well as I do that the shepherds were considered highly unclean, highly untrustworthy. And these shepherds, at least, were given the night shift, keeping watch over their flocks by night. These guys are, are not some that you would say deserve much, or they're not given much social status or circumstance. These shepherds are, by all accounts, the outcast of society. And it's these men that the Lord would open the heavens to, to display his glory beautifully and wondrously to them. These men in no way, in their own efforts, and their own power, and their own goodness, were counted as worthy or good enough to unfold heaven the way that God does. 
And for a moment, I, I want us just to, to dwell in and live in how good this feels. That these weren't the wise men, the good guys. These weren't the clean. These weren't the, the preachers and the teachers. These were the unclean shepherds on the night shift in the middle of the night, keeping watch over their flock. It's to them that God would herald this incredible news of his arrival. And in those moments where you and I do not feel worthy and good enough and strong enough and powerful enough and wise enough and good enough in our own self-effort, it's here you come right back to the shepherds once again to see this is who God would choose over and over and over and over again to display his goodness to. Some old shepherds in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. But you take this reality and you pair it with what we talked about last week. Last week we looked at the genealogy of Jesus. Did anybody go home over this Christmas season? This past week since the genealogy, did anybody sit the kids down in front of the fire and read to them the genealogy? Did y'all start that new practice in your family household? And all God's people said, nope. All right, so very good. So we'll keep going. But we learned last week that Jesus came through the line of David, right? Came through the line of David and we learned all that there was to see and feel about Jesus. Not some cosmic accident coming onto the scene that he was born of Mary through the line of David. And we learned that it means something that he was born of the line of David. You go back for a moment in 1 Samuel 16 and you see that Samuel has come to Jesse. It's been told that, that, that Jesse was to uh, have a son that would be the it would be the king. And so Jesse has lined all of his warrior king's sons up. All these valiant, strong men have come up. Jesse's sons and Samuel one by one has gone to them. And I'm sure everybody thought, well, this is going to be it. This is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. And it comes to a culmination in 1 Samuel 16. And then Jesse said to, or Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? And Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, He's keeping the sheep. There is David, this little shepherd boy, keeping the sheep. This little shepherd boy who would one day become the shepherd king. Does this not point us to one day there would come another? If you skin ahead to Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. And what is the descriptor that the writer of Hebrews uses? Once again, brought from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Do we see once again that God's not here with some cosmic accident on the scene that all throughout the pages of scripture we've been leading to this moment. That David, the shepherd king, would one day rule and reign. That one would come after him who would be a good shepherd to lead his people beside the still waters. That it would be the shepherds who would be heralded the good news that Jesus has been born in a little stable in Bethlehem. Do you see the, the continuing threads of this good news message that are being woven? That one day, this good shepherd would lead and guide his people. Born of Mary, from the line of David. This good shepherd boy who's slain the giant, who is now ruling and reigning. Do you see that God is so good in his weaving together these pinpoint messages leading us to one day this Jesus would come. This great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will. So we see that there's great impact and why we light this third candle, the shepherd candle, the shepherd candle of peace. So let's unpack this familiar story together. First thing on your outline, as you see, the shepherds went with haste. The shepherds went with haste. 
Now we see that the shepherds are out in the fields keeping, keeping watch over their flocks. It's the middle of the night and everything is going just like normal. The sheep are doing what sheep do, probably grazing and sleeping and hanging out. The shepherds are probably talking, hanging out, looking for any threats on the hillside, the countryside. And it appears that all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden an angel came to the glory of the Lord. It's shown all around them. And the shepherds had what all of us would have. They had terror in their hearts. I mean, terrified at the glory of the Lord all around them. And even more than that, it says as, as this angel continues that a host of the heavenly host came down and began to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among them whom he is pleased. In verse 15, it says the angels went away from heaven and the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has made known to us. As the shepherds, or as the angels descended, the shepherds had a choice, did they not? It may not feel like to you and me that the shepherds had much of a choice that they were going to do this, but they, essentially they had a choice. Right? In the midst of this incredible splendor and incredible glory in front of them, they, they had a choice that they could say. All right, that was, that was pretty crazy. We just saw some stuff. That, that's bizarre. That's a lot of bright lights. That's crazy. Right, they could have easily looked at one another and said, hey, did, did y'all see what I just saw? Was that as crazy as we think it was? Right, but the fear of the Lord compelled them to obey the word of the Lord. The fear of the Lord shown around them. The fear of the Lord is what compelled them to take the steps in haste to go see this thing that's come to pass. We've looked at the book of James and this is just retelling what we already know. Right, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of our wisdom. And you may, as well as I do, would say, well, Mark, if I, if I woke up tomorrow and put my foot on the ground from my bed and the angelic hosts were all around me glorifying the Lord, well, I would live accordingly what God called me to that day too. But the reality is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we understand who God is, what he's called us to, and the clarity of what he has called us to, we should do as the shepherds do. We should make haste to follow the word of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but many times in my life, making haste to do what God has called me to do has not been my primary in my life. Many times we feel like Jonah, a clear word from the Lord comes, and instead of making haste to go where God calls us, we make haste to go the other way, right? You feel that? Because I feel it, right? You feel the word of the Lord, you know the word of the Lord, you've read the word of the Lord, you know what he has called you to, and instead of making haste and saying, let's go where God has called me, let's go somewhere else anywhere else let's do whatever else I can do other than what God's called me to do but what we see first and foremost from the shepherds verse 16 makes clear and they went with haste they didn't have delayed obedience they had obedience they followed the Lord with haste with urgency in their hearts to see and behold in the beginning of wisdom not merely to listen to the word and so deceive yourselves to do what it says so you see, number one, the shepherds went with haste. But number two, the shepherds went together. The shepherds go together. I want you to pause for a moment and recognize the joy of the ministry that is done together. All throughout these pages, you see that the angels went away from them into heaven. And then they went with haste and found the Mary and Joseph and the baby. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them. And then the shepherds returned glorifying God for all that they had seen and had been told to them. Throughout the pages of God's word, 
we see that God has given us the beauty of community to do ministry together in. That these, why, these shepherds were meant to go together. That they launched together. Can you imagine years later, after all this has been done and seen, the shepherds out keeping watch over their flocks and there probably was several nights that things were not going right, the several nights that things had been difficult in the family and the home and the marriages and all sorts of stuff. Do you think there was ever those times where the shepherds would look at each other and say, do you all remember that night? Hey, hey, do you all remember what happened? Do you all remember the, the host of the angelic beings right there? Do you all remember when we went and found the baby? Do you remember what happened? Do you know how joyous it is to live and exist in community with one another? In those days when you feel weak and weary that you can look and say, do you, do you remember? Do you remember how good God's been to us? Do you remember that thing, that time, that place, that moment that God displayed his goodness to us? The shepherds went together. Jesus surrounded himself with the apostles to go out on ministry together. And so we do it together, stir one another up to love and to good works. They went with haste. They went together. Number three, they went to tell others. You see in verse 18, as, as all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them, and Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. The shepherds became the first evangelists in the New Testament era. Essentially, the, why the shepherds went out and told everybody what had been done to them. This is what evangelism, this is what it means to be an evangelist. You simply tell people the good things that have happened to you. you. You tell people what God has done for you and in you and through you. That's all you're doing. This has happened to me and I want you to know about it. That's precisely what the shepherds do. Before the Lord called me to ministry, I was deeply connected to Apple computers. I thought that my life was going to be spent writing tech reviews for tech products. And I loved Apple. I thought my life was going to be sitting behind a computer in some dark basement somewhere, writing behind a screen. That that's what I loved. Still love Apple computers, still love what they've meant and done for me. Uh, just this week, Apple released uh, iOS version 17.2. I think you should all download it because there's an app on it that is tremendously beneficial. Uh, it's, it's done a lot for me. It's an app called Journal. That's a simple title. It's free for everybody. Because I have been transformed by the simple art of journaling. Right, it's totally transformed the way that I do things, my life. Uh, for about 15 years, I have been diligently journaling almost every day. Yesterday, I pulled out my journal in anticipation of right, uh, talking about this. And I look back at some things that I had journaled and prayed for five years ago. Some things that Brittany and I were praying systematically for in our family and our home. And it was something that I had completely forgotten about until I opened up the journal and looked about five years ago. And, and a flood of tears whelmed up in my soul. Brittany and I were looking at each other just talking about we had completely forgotten this incredibly important thing five years ago that had happened to our family. And we saw the fruit of praying for that thing, how God had answered and blessed us. And so let me just encourage you, because it has changed my life, I want it to change your life. This is what evangelism is. Let me tell you something that's transformed my life so it can transform your life. Do you know that I have never in my life been skiing? Not once. I've heard great stories about it. I've talked to people who have been skiing before. I've watched videos of people going down the, the, the things on the, th on the stuff, and it looks so much fun. If you were to come to me and ask, hey, where should we take a family vacation? I could not tell you to go skiing. I would tell you, go to the mountains. 
Go to the beach. Go to the lake. These places are amazing. But I could not tell you to go skiing. I've never been. I don't know what it's like. I don't know how to go down the slopes. I don't know how to go down the stuff. I have no idea what clothes to wear, what skis to buy. I have no experience with it. Do you, do you see where we're going here this morning? You can't share what you don't have. You, you can't evangelize what's not happened to you. The shepherds essentially just told people what had happened to them, the experience that they had with the Lord. They shared it. They told it. They wanted everybody to know what had happened to them. Friends, we, we share that which we have. When the gospel has transformed your life, you tell it. When your life has been marked by what Jesus has done for you to take away all of your sins, then you tell it. But if you have never been skiing, you have nothing to share. You have nothing to tell. If you don't recognize that Jesus has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, if you don't recognize that he's taken your sins away as far as the east is from the west, if you have not first and foremost been transformed by this incredible gospel that we sing about, then there's nothing to share. And so the shepherds went to tell others, to simply tell people, this is what's happened to me. This is what we have experienced. We want you to know about it. And so Mary pondered these things in her heart and everything wondered about what they had seen and experienced. And then verse 20, the culmination of where we are. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen, heard, and as it had been told to them. Number four on your outline is where it culminates. And the shepherds went worshiping. Their experiences with the Lord led to their worship of the Lord. Their experiences right alongside what God had done for them led them to worship him for what he had done. I sat down last night and had a few moments to just look back over several aspects of worship experiences that I distinctly remember. There are three that came to mind and they're all linked together. I recall the first Sunday that we stepped back into this room after the fire. As the organ blared up and your voices blared up and as we sing to God be the glory, it, it struck in my soul to think back to 10 months of how the Lord had been a good shepherd to our church. How in moments where I felt like, how is this going to work out? How are we going to do this? Walking through and experiencing it as the, as the orchestra and the choir blared up and as we sang to God be the glory, my heart was overwhelmed because in that moment I was filled with what God had done, what I had experienced with the Lord for 10 months. It was worship. It was the overflow of my heart because of what God had done, what I had seen, what I had witnessed, what I had walked in with and through you. The other one was the first Sunday of the fire in the parking deck of our municipal parking garage. We sang the same song, To God Be the Glory. As we sat there and sang to God be the glory, I began to think about all that God had done to prepare our church for these moments, all that God was going to do in these moments, and I was anticipating what God was going to do for 10 months or however long it was going to take, and so that moment was an incredibly worshipful experience to see the church gather around and encourage one another. It filled my heart to see what God had done, even in a brief moment, to anticipate what God would do. The other one is linked to my graduation from seminary. There was at the chapel of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and mom was uh, on the beginning stages of pancreatic cancer journey and I finished seminary pastoring my first little church of 30 people. And there we were, 
in this little chapel singing, to God be the glory, great things he has done. And in that moment, sitting around with brothers who I knew were going to go out on mission and do incredible things, singing to God be the glory. Friends, it was a culmination of what God had done to lead to that moment and what he was going to do for our future. Worship is an overflow of our experiences with the Lord. Watching and walking and allowing him to be a shepherd to lead us through all these things that we walk through. Worship is not something that we just enter into. It's something that we experience because of what God has done for us. If you look at verse 20. Verse 20 is a culmination of all that's come before it. The shepherds have been in the fields keeping watch. They recognize their unworthiness. They recognize that they are not worthy of this incredible moment. They're fear-stricken by the angelic side of what they're experiencing. They run to follow and trust in Jesus. And they go and lay down at his feet. And then they come back and tell everybody what's happened. And then they, lastly, they simply, they just worship. They glorify the Lord. They say, Lord, you are good. You are holy. You are good. Look at all that you've done. They just simply worship him out of an abundance of what's happened to them. And when our worship feels as far away as it can be, I think at times it's because we haven't just sat at the feet of Jesus and said, Lord, thank you. Thank you that my sins have been taken away. Thank you that you are clearly good. Thank you that you have done incredible things. Let me look back at the history of what you've done to look forward into my worship of you. This morning, we see clearly that the shepherds went with haste. They went together. They went to tell others. And they lastly, they went to worship the Lord together. This morning, if you would do at the bottom, just simply take this last point. Let the shepherds take you to Jesus. Our theme this Christmas season has been um, to see Christ in Christmas. Let the shepherds take you to Jesus. As we walk through this season, as we enter into next week, as we have Christmas communion, as we do all these things that we do as a church, we have our hearts pointed towards Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, we stop in this moment and recognize that we've sung a a lot of words about it is well with our souls. We've sung about all is well because you've come into this world of a baby, of a mother in Bethlehem. Lord, thank you that the shepherds of all people, not because they are worthy or wise, that you've shown your glory to them. Thank you that they're filled with terror, led them to make a wise decision to go and lay down at your feet and to tell others what had been told to them. Lord, I pray that we would, collectively as a church and individuals, reflect what the shepherds have taught us today. And in every way of our lives, that we would reflect that we have been marked and changed by this gospel that we sing about. So God, I pray that we leave this place different people, changed by what you've done for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.